Welcome to the podcast series, Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Paolo Shogaraski, VP of Global Merchant Success at eBanks. eBanks is a fintech that offers cross-border payment solutions for global merchants in Latin America. Paolo, how are you doing? Hi, Stacey. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's the last couple of weeks, months been? Well, first of all, thanks for for having me here and uh, for the great initiative that is your podcast. And uh, has been a uh, crazy, but uh, hopefully we are going back to some normality, whatever that's going to mean in the future. <laughs> and uh, yes, but how about you? Yeah, no, I'm good. It's we're in completely different time zones. You're waking up about to start your day. You're in San Francisco, right? Yes, yes, San Francisco, California. And and I'm in South Africa. So I'm about to to log off for the day. But I'm so excited to have you guys on. I've been wanting to have eBanks on for quite some time. You guys are doing incredible things. I'm really eager to dive right in. But first, please just tell me about your career journey and essentially what led you to become VP of Global Merchant Success at eBanks. Of course. Yeah, uh, I, I have always been passionate about uh, serving the underserved and uh, creating equal opportunities for the underbank. Uh, I grew up in Brazil. So uh for me, it was very clear that everybody, not, not actually everybody, has access to our product and service. And uh, when it comes to financial products, even less. So, yeah. uh, um, And those ones that actually do have access, they ended up, uh, and they're still in an emerging social position, they ended up paying a lot more uh, than they should for those financial products. Then... Um, uh, I ended up moving to U.S. like about 20 years ago, and uh, I had a chance to join Walmart and, wow. uh, and uh, have the opportunity to really change the game for the underserved uh, by partnering with financial institutions to offer credit, protection, uh, remittance, uh, among other financial products. Uh, yeah. w- what I believe that with a very reasonable fees and targeting the section of the population that uh, actually needed the most. And um uh, so, uh, yeah, opportunity to work with more than like 12 countries, including actually South Africa, China, the UK. And um, what I observe is that uh, actually didn't matter which continent you're coming from or how developed is your country. You always could find a section of the population that would struggle and uh, leave uh, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. So, so actually having a, a chance to provide them with a better financial option that could offer either some savings, more credit, protection, peace of mind was was very fulfilling for me. That's awesome. And uh, after 10 years uh, uh, leading financial service for Walmart, uh, I decided that it was time for me to, to change. And uh, eBanks was a perfect fit since uh, I will still have the opportunity to once again serve the underserved, but now by providing uh, the Latin American population access to global brands. And uh, how we would do that is to offer local payment methods that was available to the local population. So um, for me, it was also an opportunity to take all this experience that I accumulate by working from the merchant side and moving to the other side of the equation, uh, working for a payment company. So then uh, when I talk now with my merchants, uh, it's not just uh, a Paulo trying to sell a product or solution, but uh, I actually truly understand them and uh, and the, the pain and the challenge that they have because uh, uh, I experienced similar way on the, the the Walmart side. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I think actually, finally, uh, I was on a point of my career that I was ready to transition from a big co- corporate company to a startup and challenge myself uh, to a different kind of environment. Moving from a huge corporate to startup has been a hot topic on the podcast recently. A deterrent for many is the lack of structure. I believe the lack of structure can be a positive and a negative. When does a lack of structure become an issue and how can we create a structure that is solid while agile? Yeah, it's actually a very good question. And uh, uh, I believe that lack of structure or not having a, like a rigid structure creates opportunities to be flexible, more mm. fast, and uh, and actually that's one of the main advantage of a, a startup company versus a more established traditional company. And uh, so in many cases, actually, the lack of structure is going to help you to break the mold, think about things differently, and you're able to plan, launch products, learn from your mistakes, and progress a lot faster. But um, any startup is going to get to a point where you have to actually revisit your own structure to ensure uh, scalability, but it still allows for flexibility. And uh, in my opinion, scalability and flexibility, those two are the two secret words of any startup that is getting ready to move to the big league. And, uh, and mm-hmm. I think the question to be answered is um, how can I create a structure that would allow me to grow fast on a scalable way? but it's still going to give me flexibility to adjust to the unknown and stay ahead of the competition. What is that happy medium? How do you create structure while also giving room to be agile, giving room to be creative? Yeah, definitely a good question. And uh, uh, I think, uh, first of all, you have to identify uh, uh, the, the, the right moment to revisit uh, your structure. And uh, for me, uh, one of the big signs that you have uh, to redefine your structure is actually when you're having challenge to prioritize projects. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when you are early stage startup, you usually focus on prioritizing like big projects, big merchants and uh, products. And uh, you do have to prioritize, but usually it's very easy to identify, hey, that's a big opportunity versus a small one. But uh, when you get to a point that you actually have to prioritize between two big projects or two big merchants, for me, that's a sign that your current structure is not scalable or support the expected growth that uh, now it's time to change. So um, I think uh, at that point, what you need to do is probably redefine roles, create clear accountability for results for your team, ensure that it can be scalable for the business uh, the, uh, be scalable your business for the new customers, locations, or different products that you like to achieve. And uh, I think all those changes, they have to be made uh, uh, by reinforcing the company's culture. And yeah. uh, uh, so uh, answering uh, also your question, um, how you go to this, uh, uh, to this process to implement that, uh, I think you need to start planning ahead. So pretty much you think I have... X number of customers and Y numbers of products. And based on my objectives, I would like to grow uh, my customer base by X and my products by Y. So uh, you have to evaluate what kind of structure, resources, and talent I need to support the growth I had. 
So uh, it's time to, for you to start delegating and bring strong yeah. talents so you can trust, uh, try talents that you can trust. And I think most importantly, that uh, it's going to bring the skills and capabilities that you need. Um, I think uh, replace manual work with automatic mm, ones. Um, definitely. Uh, I would say also reevaluate the current structure and uh, you have to define uh, what kind of areas you want to continue doing yourself, what kind of areas and departments you like to join forces with a fitable partner and doing together, and which areas you want to just outsource. And um, so I think uh, growing should provide you with more investments, more learnings, better partners, mm -hmm. more opportunities to share best practice. And uh, you should ensure that uh, the company, uh, that your customers benefit from all of that. And uh, I think long story short, uh, your customers should feel that uh, not that you're growing too big for them, but you're growing together with them. Yeah, I love that. I remember the moment at my business, Talent in the Cloud, when we realized, wow, we need to have more tools and programs and processes in place. I were There were really only one to two people maximum on the sales team. And we started bringing on a lot of projects at the same time. And we realized there were too many people involved in projects for us to just have a whiteboard saying, okay, we're done with this step. Now let's go yeah. on to the next. And so obviously we started implementing things like Trello boards and having automated projects being um, censored to different stakeholders. Um, what was the moment at eBanks or were you there at the moment where new processes started being in place? And do you know what triggered it? So, uh, I, like I, I, I briefly mentioned before, I think it's uh, it's about prioritization. And for me, the big thing was uh, when I have a, a big merchant that uh, uh, needed some help and and a new product that we have to customize for them. And then uh, uh, I never had a problem with this merchant before because it was a big merchant, and mm. uh, we we use usually like just uh, move resources and invest to make sure that we're gonna deliver on time. But then an even bigger merchant came into place asking uh, um, for a product that would be competing resources with the the first one. Then uh, uh, for us was a big moment because uh, what I heard is that like oh I might be able to do it but it's gonna take a little longer. Yeah. And then uh, and then there wasn't the answer that I want to hear. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it cannot take Fair longer. Enough. I not take longer. I need to deliver that. <laughs> exactly. So then we have to just pretty much reassess. And uh, in the end of the day, we were able to deliver both on time. But for me, it was a big moment that uh, I have to get together with all cross-functional teams and say, look, that cannot happen again. And uh, it's just going to get worse because uh, if uh, success comes your way, you're going to have more merchants, more products. And uh, this prioritization is going to be a little more complex. So we have to adjust our construction. And I think we did that. And, uh, and I think it was a mix of a process, a mix of the, uh, the right talent uh, in the right place. And mm -hmm. again, I think it's uh, flexibility is the key because you really don't know what is coming next. So you need so to have true. a structure that is flexible to adjust because if it's not flexible to adjust, and that's the problem that you're seeing now with uh, the traditional uh, bigger corporations, mm. that flexibility sometimes is not an option for them. 
like you cannot uh, move a huge white elephant from one side to another. So uh, <laughs> uh, be, be, it becomes harder. So this competitive advantage that startup uh, uh, has, uh, if you kill this competitive advantage, then the next startup that is coming uh, behind you is going to take advantage of this opportunity and possibly even get a piece of your business. Talking about other startups coming and taking pieces of your business, eBanks was one of the first of its kind. And as time has gone on, it's facing new competition. How do you stay ahead of the curve? Yes, yeah. I think for me, you should always stay behind your mission and continue disrupting. Mm. So uh, for eBanks, it was very clear the mission that uh, is to provide access in Latin America. And uh, we continue doing that every day. So uh, when eBanks started back in 2012, we started with uh, one product, one cash voucher, and uh, one country, Brazil. And nowadays, we have more than 100 payment methods, and we're moving to wow. operate in more than 15 countries. So uh, Latin America is progressing, and so are we. New payment methods are coming to the market and uh, uh, to serve the underserved, and we want to ensure that we include them in our portfolio so our customers can benefit out of that. And uh, our merchants are changing as well. Uh, they partnered with us in the past to be able to sell uh, their goods and services in Latin America through what we call our cross-border model, meaning mm -hmm. that uh, they don't need to have a local entity. And they, uh, by partnering with us, they, they can accept the local payment methods and we collect the money and pay them abroad. But then their business grew and the market changed, and some of them decided it's time to go local. I want to open a local entity and keep their money mm -hmm. in the market. So then the banks started providing this local payment service as well. So we, we evolved together with the merchant. And um, I believe that now eBanks is able to offer a full service to our merchants from a pay-in. Uh, that's when uh, we collect the money from the end customer. To pay out, that's uh, uh, instead of paying directly to the merchants, we pay their suppliers or vendor uh, on their behalf. And we offer uh, uh, cross-border, we offer local, and so we offering a full package that when we started wasn't there, but we saw the need and we evolved to offer this kind of product. So uh, I think we do all this with our mission in mind, that is to provide access in Latin America. And that's, yeah. that's what I think for me is one of the main differentiators for eBanks when you compare it to our competitors, that yeah. every single new resource or investment that we have, we invest in Latin America. So we did have opportunities to go out of Latin America, but we decided to maintain focus in Latam. So we continue to use 100% of our resources to invest in Latin America by adding new products, new markets, improving operation, and being as more efficient as possible for the long mm -hmm. run. So then it's very clear how we differentiate ourselves versus uh, um, other competitors. I think uh, in the end of the day, just to finalize, uh, uh, you cannot be good in everything. And you cannot yeah. be experts in everything. So when your yeah. competitors continue to expand globally and stretch themselves thin uh, by trying to do everything and being everywhere, we continue enhancing our expertise and products and capabilities in Latin America. And I think that's how we stay ahead of the competition. That's awesome. When I think of staying ahead of the curve, there is one company that comes to mind and that's Netflix for me. You take like blockbusters and Netflix and you think blockbusters kept to their own, stayed with their own strategy. Then you have Netflix that completely pivoted, stayed ahead of the curve and ultimately just 
transformed what they offered and transformed it into a service. And I think that's really difficult to do because you can't predict what the future holds. So you have to find this, this balance between staying ahead of the curve, predicting what's going to happen, but then also staying, staying true to your mission, like you mentioned. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, and y- you can be very easily persuaded to deviate and uh, you see yeah. some hanging fruits here and there. So like, oh, that might be a good opportunity. Let me go for it. And I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't try, but it should be aligned with your mission. And, uh, uh, and your mission also is going to guide your whole company, your whole team, that like if they don't see that what they're doing is aligned with their mission, they even not be as motivated or efficient as you like them to be. So I think impact the whole company. So, uh, and, and I think uh, you mentioned about Blockbuster, it's a very good case because um, they they waited too long to disrupt. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, they really thought that the stores would be the, the still the, the brick and mortar is still gonna be the future. Mm. And, and I think another example, and it's very close to my chest, is Walmart. Because uh, uh, Walmart could have done the same, right? Like, look, we have like stores all over the country. We don't need to invest in Uh, e-commerce. That's going to be just a phase. People are still going to come to the store. But they saw that that was going to be a mistake. So they invest substantially in e-commerce by acquisition, by investing in operation. And right now uh, does represent a big chunk of, of, of their market share. So I think uh, Mm. when you compare Walmart versus like, let's call Amazon, and when you compare uh, Netflix versus Blockbuster, that's two very good cases of like uh, uh, continue doing the same or trying to disrupt the market and see what they actually the customer wants. So how often do you take the risk then? How do you measure? Is it worth the risk? So uh, I think, uh, uh, again, uh, you always want to, number one, be aligned with your mission. Two, make sure mm-hmm. that it's going to serve a purpose for your customer. And okay. uh, so I think that's a very important. And I think it's okay for you to take risk, but uh, uh, on a startup style, you try, see if it's going to work, see if it's collecting the results, didn't work, you move on. And uh, eBay, yeah. I'm not going to name over here, but we did explore some other areas that was a little outside the payment and mm. uh, just because we thought that it was going to complete the package deal by offering uh, what the customer mm. wants when they come to latin america and then we realized that for some areas that is still important for the customer but uh, that's not our core business that's not how we can add value and change yeah. the game for them so we learn we move on we close the door and then uh, we move to the next opportunity, always aligned with the mission. So again, I think I don't think that you, you shouldn't try, but uh, you should try mm. fast, learn, and move on. Yeah, and you guys are growing. eBanks is growing across Latin America, and each region comes with its own set of challenges. There's regulation, hiring the right talent, brand positioning. What have you found to be the most testing? And and how can other businesses better prepare for expansion? Yeah, good question. I, I think a, a lot of people consider Latin America as one package deal. <laughs> Same as Africa. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, and, and, and I agree. You can find common language and similar background, but uh, countries are different. Regulation are different. Business yeah. is different. And even language itself, like Spanish, can have uh, particularities on, on its own. So uh, mm-hmm. for me, localization is key for Latin America. And the, the best way to expand uh, to a new geography, uh, for me, is to find the local partner. 
by mm. finding uh, the right local partner, you can focus uh, you as a merchant what you know best, that is sell your goods and service, and, uh, and uh, let the partner to guide you in the particularity of the markets and the best way to navigate. And then uh, after a year or so, when you all settle, you can uh, uh, see how your business is growing, if it's been successful, and uh, just reevaluate your current structure and partners and uh, identify any opportunities for improvement. I think um, uh, one clear example, a lot of companies, they come to Latin America and they have no idea how important it's to offer cash payment options or installment plans. 40% of the population is still on their bank. And I think uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very similar case uh, in South Africa. And, yeah. uh, and some, for some specific verticals, installments uh, can represent more than half of their sales. So uh, uh, when you see so many people under bank and under serve, uh, creates opportunity. But uh, when it comes to Latin America, another thing that adds to the top is that uh, it's one of the fastest growing e-commerce markets in the world. The whole region accelerated, I think, around 20% in 2020 and is expected to grow 30% this year. So more established markets like Brazil and, uh, and uh, Mexico, I think they have mm. about 30% growth, but when it comes to uh, Central America, you're talking even higher numbers. So that is a big opportunity over there, but uh, you can have the best product in the world and can mean nothing if you're not offering to the right customers, to the yeah. right, with the right payment methods and with the right channels, and with the right channels. So um, I think, um, just to find out, can even be uh, a little more complicated because countries, they have very distinct payment systems with some countries with uh, still have a monopoly in acquires. Some, they've been very disruptive, a case like PIX in Brazil, the new instant payment method that has really changed the game. And, uh, and the, you have fraud all over the place, but the frauds can be very creative country by country. So you as an international company, you're not going to be able to manage all this complexity on your own. Yeah. Or if you do to do it yourself, it's going to require a big investment. So uh, that's why I always recommend to expand with a partner, learn about the market and the customers, and continue to reevaluate your structure to ensure that it's going to support your, mer your, your merchant uh, uh, growth, economics, and uh, being aligned with your mission. Paolo, great advice. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a delight having you on. Thanks so much, Stacey. Thanks for the opportunity. And again, congratulations for, for, for this initiative. Uh, I think uh, FinTech is, change, is changing the world, it's disrupting the market. But uh, the beauty is that uh, it's, it's just starting. And when you're considering uh, continents like Africa or Latin America, the opportunity is even bigger over there. So I think I'm very excited to see all those fintechs coming up and, uh, and uh, helping each other and helping the population to have access to products and goods they didn't have before. So thanks for the opportunity to share a little bit of my experience in your podcast. Of course, it's exciting indeed. Paolo, where's the best place for listeners to reach you? I would say probably LinkedIn would be the best way to go about it. And then uh, we can go from there. Perfect. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Stacey. Have a good day over there. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, Connecting the Global Fintech Community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.